welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary. Happy Friday. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. It's a Fights in Football Friday. Part one is the football. I understand that's out of order, but just go with me on this one. Uh, as we have some news out of the Canadian Football League, we have big coaching news in the NFL and, of course, four massive games in the NFL as it is the divisional round. I would say, honestly, maybe the best weekend of football in the year. So that's exciting. Uh, we're going to break all four games down for you guys here today. As always, like this video, subscribe to the channel. Um, if you are listening in podcast form, make sure you leave a review and subscribe to that channel as well. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at primetimekline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk, and you can email this show, Diary at yahoo.com. So, without any further ado, let's get into the big games of the weekend, which are the only games of the weekend. Let's get into the division. All right, we begin Saturday afternoon. Uh, the Houston Texans in this spot again. If the Super, if they make the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl is actually going to have to be Saturday afternoon because this is perpetually the uh, Houston Texans spot. Uh, the Texans going up against the Baltimore Ravens. If they are going to get to the Super Bowl, the Texans they are going to have to do so um, through being a gigantic underdog in this game, as they are nine and a half point underdogs against the Baltimore Ravens with a total at forty three. And a half. Houston coming off of their dominant victory over the Cleveland Browns um, in the wild card round, while the Baltimore Ravens had a bye in week one. These two, or sorry, in the wild card round. I say week one because these two teams played in week one. CJ Stroud's first ever game in the National Football League was against the Baltimore Ravens. And now, when you think of how well this team has played, you think, like, okay, well, this offense is rolling. And I mean, first, yes. But also, statistically, yeah. um, EPA per play, they're 15th in the National Football League. They're 24th in success rate. Uh, they are 14th in offensive efficiency, according to DVOA. This is not, statistically anyway, a juggernaut offense, right? And look, like there has been a great debate around um, analytics in the, the sport of football here over the past seven days or so. With, just quick aside, um, PFF being the one you want to take a shot at, like, you literally have to watch. You have to watch the games to make those judgments on those guys. So, like, there are certain things we, we won't know about coverages and whatever uh, around those things. But, like, <clears throat> excuse me, to take a shot at PFF um, for the, the not watching the game thing, like, you literally have to watch every game and chart it to see what those guys are doing there. So that that was just a little weird to me. But anyway, um, the, the Houston Texans have not necessarily been an analytics darling, but they have a guy who has an X factor in C.J. Stroud. I do wonder if that kind of comes crashing down here. You're going up against a Baltimore Ravens defense that's first in defensive efficiency and second in defensive EPA per play. They are, like, Lamar Jackson is going to get a lot of the headlines, um, but the reason that the Baltimore Ravens are first in weighted DVOA is because of how well this defense has played all season long. And yes, the offense is great. Uh, sixth in EPA per play, fourth in success rate. Uh, obviously, they run the ball very, very well. Third in rush EPA per play, uh, or EPA per rush, I suppose, and uh, rushing success rate. But the defense is the one that, that really carries this thing. And I think that this is going to be a defense that gives the Houston Texans a bit of an issue. And I know I said that last week, but I, I am saying it here. I think Baltimore's defense is going to actually be the one to slow down the, the Houston Texans and make it so that the the Texans don't go 2-0 against the AFC North here in the first couple of rounds of the playoffs. The thing that gives me a bit of a, huh, 
about this is that the the Texans defense is sixth in EPA per rush. So they've actually been a pretty good run defense all season long. They're first in defensive rush success rate. This has been a really good run defense. The Baltimore Ravens are a pretty good run offense, but I do think Lamar Jackson has shown that he is more than just a running quarterback. I think he's going to get the job done through the air, um, and this is going to be a defense that Lamar Jackson actually has a, a, a not an easy time with, but I, I think Lamar Jackson kind of brings the Texans crashing down a little bit. It's been an amazing run for the Texans, but I think it ends here. I'm going with Baltimore, minus nine and a half points. One of the darlings of the wildcard weekend, the Green Bay Packers, fresh off of their win over the Dallas Cowboys, take on the San Francisco 49ers on Saturday evening. The Niners are favored by nine and a half points with a total of 50 and a half for Green Bay. Last week was all about the defense. Yes, this offense is great, and they carved up a pretty good um, Dallas Cowboys defense, but last week was all about their defense not giving the Cowboys a lick. The issue is the Dallas Cowboys didn't adjust a thing. They, they were just like, well, this is what we were supposed to do, so we are going to do it. And that's one thing if you do that on the scripted plays, but then to keep it going, um, I, I know it's very easy for um, people who comment on this stuff to be like, oh, didn't make adjustments, as if we know what adjustments are happening. But there wasn't a fucking thing changed from what the Cowboys were trying to do in that game against the, the Packers there, and Green Bay just lit it up. To me, the difference in this game for Green Bay going up against Mike McCarthy and Kyle Shanahan is going up against, like, the Home Alone Robbers, and then that Facebook, or sorry, the, the Family Guy bit, where it was, well, this is how Home Alone would have been with competent robbers. And it's like, oh, yeah, that doorknob was hot. I'll look out for the, the thing. And then they just, like, you know, end up dealing with the kid. Um, but th this, like, th that that's it to me, is you were dealing with um, the, the actual Home Alone robbers in Mike McCarthy, and now you're dealing with, you know, competent robbers in Kyle Shanahan. I don't think that what Green Bay's defense did to the, the Cowboys is going to be repeatable against this 49ers team. Green Bay, through the regular season, was 23rd in defensive EPA per play and EPA per dropback. They do not have the secondary to cover Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, McCaffrey. They just, they simply do not have the defense to handle all of these options. Um, and so I, I just, I don't think that this is going to be a successful game for, for Green Bay. Um, San Francisco was first in every category I look at offensively. Um, first in DVOA, first in EPA per play, first in success rate, first in EPA per dropback, first in dropback success rate, first in EPA per rush, per, first in rush success rate. Everything you can, th that, um, Everything that we look at here, they're the best at it. And Green Bay's defense just isn't. And then defensively, this is a strong San Francisco defense. The one area that they have struggled in is defending the run. Um, 26th in defensive EPA per rush and 24th in defensive uh, rushing success rate. Aaron Jones was a different animal last week against the Dallas Cowboys. So if Green Bay is going to have success in this game, I don't think it's going to be all of a sudden Jordan Love is carving this team up. I don't think he's going to have enough time to do that. I think it is going to have to be the play of Aaron Jones, specifically Aaron Jones, and this run game to keep the Green Bay Packers in it. So if the Packers are, are going to, to keep it in the, close in this one, I think you got to take Green Bay plus 9.5 and, and probably take the under because they're going to try to dribble the air out of the basketball to steal a, a, a basketball term. I don't see that happening. I don't know if this Green Bay defense can get a stop if they need to against San Francisco. I think the 49ers kind of style on them a little bit here. I'm going San Francisco minus nine and a half. That takes us 
to Sunday. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Detroit Lions. The uh, Lions back at home, favored by six and a half points with a total of 49. Um, a couple of things in this game that jump off the page to me statistically. Detroit's secondary is something we have harped on here all season long. They're 25th in uh, defensive um, EPA per dropback and 25th in dropback success rate on the defensive side. This has been a secondary that has been picked apart. Tampa Bay, on the other hand, they have um, the 8th ranked offense in terms of EPA per dropback. They have actually been able to have a lot of success passing the football. And I think they have an opportunity here to take advantage of this secondary. But... I also think that they are 18th in defensive EPA per play going up against uh, a Detroit team that was fifth in offensive efficiency. At the end of the day, while I was hard on the Detroit Lions all season long and think still, by the way, think that this is an incredibly flawed football team. I don't know if Tampa Bay stacks up with these guys. The... The, 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 the secondary for Detroit came up with key plays when they needed to against the LA Rams last week. And now we can talk about how their Matthew Stafford was in that game. But at the end of the day, they came up with stops that I didn't think they'd be able to come up with. And so that has given me just enough pause to go with the Lions in this one. Lions minus six and a half. This is a stay away game for me. Um, it's, it's funny. It's, it's the team that in the regular season I was so behind in Tampa Bay and the team that in the regular season I was so off of in Detroit. And now I'm going Detroit with the, the, the trips down and all of that stuff. But Detroit has shown those improvements. The thing that I would caution against here is last week felt very Super Bowlish for the Detroit Lions. That is going to be a difficult adrenaline boost to get back from a, a Detroit standpoint. So I, I would caution against a bit of a slow start for the Detroit Lions, and I wonder if they can get it back. So that's that's one of the reasons why it's a stay away from me. And just like, I would assume on paper, like I said, Tampa Bay actually does match up with Detroit pretty well. Um, it's just, I... Something about watching that game against the Rams has me off of um, off of hating Detroit as much as I have throughout this season. Uh, and then we get to the main event of the weekend. It is the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Buffalo Bills. These two teams have met in the playoffs before, but never in Orchard Park out in Buffalo. Uh, the Bills are favored by two and a half points with a total of 45 and a half. Um, I think where... Buffalo has a key advantage in this game is they are second in the NFL in EPA per, uh, per rush and second in the NFL in rushing success rate, while the Chiefs are 28th in defensive uh, EPA per rush. That does feel like an area where Buffalo might be able to exploit given Allen's um, newfound aggressiveness in running the football in the postseason. And James Cook has been a bit of a beast since they um, made some changes to this offense. So that, that does feel like an area where I do think Buffalo can exploit Kansas City. I think the biggest mismatch, though, in this game is we saw last week Buffalo's linebackers were really banged up and it became an issue against Pittsburgh. While Pittsburgh has better receiving weapons than, than the Kansas City Chiefs, there's no doubting that. Um, that guy over the middle, Travis Kelsey, still a beast. And if you are having trouble with your linebackers and covering the middle of the field, Travis Kelsey's going to have an all-timer day. And 
I just think the injuries on the defensive side of Buffalo give that check mark to the Kansas City Chiefs, and it might be enough to give the Chiefs a win in this spot. So I am going Kansas City money line as the underdog in this game, and I'm also going in the under in 45 and a half. I think there's going to be a few long drives and a lot of matriculating the ball down the field. Um, that's that's kind of how I see this game playing out. If Buffalo's going to win this game, it's going to be kind of a ground control, and Josh Allen is just making no mistakes whatsoever. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep both of those up. At some point, Josh Allen just loses his patience and makes a mistake. And that's kind of what we're betting on here. It will lead to some interesting discussions, but that's kind of what I'm thinking um, is the, the breakdown for this one. So I have Kansas City on the money line and the under 45 and a half. Those are the NFL picks for this upcoming weekend. Uh, a couple of just news and note things here before we, we get to today's ticket, although we kind of gave all of it away here. But... Um, the Vegas Raiders making the right choice in bringing in Antonio Pierce. They, I, I understood not going with Rich Bisaccia, um, after they made the playoffs and that, that amazing run with him, um, that the players had his back, but that there wasn't anything particularly, um, with all due respect, special about the guy. With Antonio Pierce, you can see there is an obvious buy-in with this franchise and with the key players in this organization. And there hasn't been that with the Raiders for a long time. And when it was bought in, it was bought in on the wrong guy who ended up being kind of not a great dude in John Gruden. This is a time for the Raiders where I think getting that identity back, getting that, for lack of a better term, getting that swagger back for an organization that hasn't had it in about 20 years, um, honestly, fucking closing in on 30 years with this group, um, it, it just, it hasn't been, the, the Raiders of this generation are not the Raiders that I grew up falling in love with, right? And so when you look at what happened with like Dan Campbell, and how he was able to go from being like this knuckle dragging guy to now dragging the Lions into the postseason and uh, a win away from a conference championship game. I, I think that kind of has given the Raiders the blueprint for this. I think Mark Davis wants to reestablish that Raider brand as being uh, a swaggerific group out in Vegas. Um, and I, I think Antonio Pierce is the right guy to lead that charge. Is Pierce going to be the head coach the next time the Raiders win the Super Bowl? I would bet against it, but I think he will be the coach the next time this team makes the playoffs. I think he's going to get that level of buy-in from these guys. And I feel like he's going to be one of those dudes who players come in to, to play for. Not all of them. Like, it, not all of a sudden, oh my God, look at this. Patrick Mahomes is with the Raiders. And, and hey, there's uh, Justin Jefferson. You know, like, it, it's not going to be that level of it. But I think it's a pretty good tiebreaker that the Raiders would have. And so I think this is a smart choice from a Vegas standpoint. In the Canadian Football League, real interesting series of moves for the Ottawa Red Blacks as they go out and acquire Dominic Rimes, um, who was let go by the BC. Lions, and then they trade for the negotiating rights for quarterback Drew Brown, who is kind of the next one in in line for the, the quarterback spot. And now look, we saw a lot of those this year in the CFL, with basically everyone getting hurt, but uh, people who I trust believe that this kid has what it takes to kind of be like, a, at least a, a pretty good starter in the Canadian Football League. And I think this is the exact type of shot you need to take as an Ottawa franchise if you want to kind of get out of the doldrums, you know? Like, you, you look at what happened last year. Montreal didn't win a game against a winning team all season long, and then they won, what would it be, three, uh, and they won the Grey Cup. So, like, you, you can, you have a good month, and, and you can be a Grey Cup champion. And I, I don't think Ottawa is honestly that far away. I liked Crum, but it does feel like this gives, the, this is a bit more of a traditional uh, lottery ticket, and the, the type of one that I think you can afford to take if you are the Red Blacks. Um, Masoli 
just wasn't it. But I, I, I like this move a lot. And this feels like a foundation building day, getting a weapon that he can throw to. Um, now, this defense is still dog shit. Uh, that was a big problem last year and remains a problem this year. But I think it's a really, really smart move for the Red Blacks to come out and, and make this uh, take a, a bit of a, I would say, calculated risk. And for Winnipeg, like I understand, they were the top team in the West last year and um, made it to the Grey Cup game. There was a bit of me that was like, I wonder, I wonder if they should have stuck with this instead of a, a Zach Caleros thing. Like, do you, do you try to keep this kid around, double down on it, and just be like, look, in a couple of years, it's yours. Because um, this is an aging group, right? And if you can make that transition at the quarterback spot, it makes life a whole lot easier for your organization. Now, that this is a group that has been to a billion Grey Cups and, and won some. Um, they are... They, they have certainly, this roster has certainly earned the right to be given up on a year too late rather than a year too early. I totally understand that. But it at least would have been a conversation for me like, should, are we making the right choice here? Um, but anyway, I think there's some interesting backup quarterbacks this year in the Canadian Football League. Um, couldn't say that a year ago, but Crum out in, in Ottawa, um, Ford out in Edmonton with the signing of uh, Bethel Thompson, which I, I wholeheartedly disagree with, by the way. Um, and, and even like Masoli out there, I, I think is an interesting piece. And we saw last year the importance of the backup quarterback position. So I, I think there are some interesting ones out there. And all of a sudden, some depth is being built up in the, the quarterback spot here in the Canadian Football League. All right, let's close the show here with today's ticket. Well, four things on today's ticket. We talked about it before. We're staying away from Detroit against Tampa Bay. But other than that, we're going Baltimore minus nine and a half. Uh, San Francisco minus nine and a half. Might do a bit of a tease there. Uh, also, we are getting Kansas City, Buffalo, under 45 and a half. And we are getting the Kansas City Chiefs, plus 125 on the money line. That is today's ticket. And that is part one of today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Whether you're watching on YouTube, uh, make sure you like and subscribe. Or you've downloaded and listened on the podcast, make sure you leave a review and subscribe. Uh, coming up, part two, it is a preview of UFC 297 as we get ready for the Ultimate Fighting Championships return to Toronto. Um, in the main event, it is Sean Strickland against Strickus Duplessis. Full main event breakdown plus giant news in the world of professional wrestling over the last 24 hours. I'll get into it a little bit um, on the show coming up today. So that is what's coming up in part two. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. And uh, hopefully talk to a lot of you in just a couple of minutes. Bye.